This summer, thousands of students from elementary and middle schools will be using Summer Pops math workbooks. That's thousands of students returning to the classroom better prepared and more confident in their math skills. If your school or district is looking into starting a summer math program or you want to improve on what you already do, start with Summer Pops. More schools every year are ordering Summer Pops for their students because Summer Pops gives your school or district everything you're looking for in a summer math program, effective, easy to use, and affordable. Order before March 31st to receive the early bird discount. Why not get a few copies and let your teacher leaders look them over and see what they think. Go to summerpopsworkbooks.com and request your free sample workbooks today. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 373. Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast where each week we bring you inspiring innovative and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership this week i'm talking to my special guest donna hayward donna hayward began her professional career as a high school mathematics teacher after earning her bachelor's and master's degrees from smith college inspired by her own high school principal donna completed her sixth year through UConn and served as assistant principal principal of Rocky Hill High School for a decade. During this time, she markedly increased advanced placement opportunities and standardized test scores and reduced discipline, leading to her presentation of effective strategies at the state's annual data conference and the NASSP's national conference. She was honored as the Connecticut Assistant Principal of the Year in 2006. Donna then served as principal of Suffield High School for six years, during which time she opened a new agri-science center and led her school to exceed prior academic performance in all areas. She now serves as principal of Haddam Killingworth High School, which earned the National Blue Ribbon in her fourth year. Donna was named the Connecticut Principal of the Year in 2022 and the National Association of Secondary School Principals National Principal of the Year in 2023. From this platform, she has advocated for educators in Washington, D.C., across the country to elevate educators in public education, secure more mental health support for young people, protect teachers and admins from defamation on social media, and support women in leadership. Donna Hayward, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. We're going to call this episode Increasing Your Impact with Donna Hayward. It's so good to see you through Zoom, and I have had the privilege of being in the room with you a few times to hear you present I was actually present the night you won that national award, Donna. I don't know if you know that, but I was in the room and it was just such a thrill to be in a room packed full of other leaders celebrating school leadership. So welcome to the show. Why don't you fill in the gaps on that intro and tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you? Well, thank you so much. First of all, it's wonderful to see you too. I know the listeners can't, but it's it's great to see you. I did not know you were there uh, that very special night. I'll remember you know, that evening, obviously forever. My daughter was alongside me and that was very special. Um, so thanks so much for that fantastic introduction in terms of filling in the gaps. I guess I would, I would start there that as much as I'm deeply dedicated to my job and the school community I serve, uh, being a principal for 25 years now is actually not my most important job. I am the mom to a 21 year old, beautiful and strong young woman. Um, and parenting will always be my greatest contribution to this world. So I just want folks to know that about me. And I actually mentioned that because like every other principal I know, I chase the ever elusive work-life balance, just like 
just like everyone I've ever met in this profession, and I don't have it figured out either. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I attended your fantastic session at the Ignite National Conference a few weeks ago in Denver, um, and I've already implemented some of your tips, so thank you. Oh, thanks, Donna. Well, if I can set the stage for this conversation, I do want to go back to that night in Washington, D.C. It was in the spring, I believe, and that awards ceremony was one where the National Association had invited both assistant principals of the year and national principals of the year finalists into that room. And so it was just a Jimmy Casas got up and spoke. It was, <laughs> I'm going to say it like this because I have a, a background in, in growing up in the South. It was like an old time revival for school <laughs> leaders. I mean, it was just a night packed full of just like, let's talk about school. Let's remember why we love this work. Let's celebrate students, but let's also celebrate the, the work of principals. And so when the, the, the apex of that evening was when they um, talked about you and the other finalists, just all amazing leaders, and then announced your, your, your award. And, and the most touching moment was your daughter standing there right with you, celebrating that moment. Because I know as a parent, how special it is to let our kids be a part of our work, uh, but they almost never get to be a part of our celebration. And so, um, so, so Donna, I, I just want to start there. First of all, just um, being in that moment back with you. Um, reflect on that for just a second. What has that experience been for like you to be the national principal of the year? Um, yeah, so, right, that was an incredible moment. And I, I have to echo what you just said. To have Katie there in the room with me was really, I couldn't possibly have scripted that moment in my life better. It would just meant everything to me for her to see that. Um, and so for, on so many levels, you know, as any parent can appreciate, you were teaching them how to be in this world and how to, how to work. And, you know, and she sacrificed more than anyone else, mm -hmm. honestly, you know, while mom's been off at work. So um, in terms of what it's been like to be the national principal of the year, I, the first word I would have to go to immediately again and again is it's been very humbling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as soon as the, the dust cleared, if you will, if, if not even before that, I was struck with what a responsibility it is to speak for other principals. And maybe especially now when, you know, we're, we're really at a raw time and, you know, we're, we're kind of post COVID. I say that a little bit rolling my eyes because we're not really post, but I get it. We're at this point and, and this is an interesting time for us. So um, it's very humbling and I take my responsibility very seriously. I know that when I speak, I speak for not only myself, I do not speak only for Connecticut anymore. I speak for all of us. And that's very, very important to me. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I, what I appreciate about it is um, uh, I have not had the honor you have had, but when I was Oklahoma State Assistant Principal of the Year, uh, there is I don't know the word I'm looking for. There's, it's almost surreal to be in a setting where you're celebrating um, something that's a high achievement for you in your school. And because that work involves real life, it's almost 
like a snap of a finger that you're back to reality <laughs> and you're solving problems <laughs> and managing conflict and people that are on the other side of that phone don't know that you've won any awards. They don't care if you won any I awards. Don't care, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It's all about, it, it comes back. It's all always returns back to, it's all about your students and your communities. Of but, course. but, but what I love about um, that whole process from, from NASSP is it gives an opportunity for principals to see themselves reflected in someone else. Donna, and, and in your case, also women leaders to see themselves reflected in someone else. Um, I have some more questions about your experience as the National Principal of the Year, but before we go there, I know that those awards reflect the outcomes of high-performing schools. So tell us, tell us some more about your school and what sets it apart as a place that you're so proud to serve. Sure. So Haddam Killingworth High School is the school that I am just um, very fortunate to, to serve and to lead right now. It's a regional high school. Um, we cover uh, the largest geographical area in the state of Connecticut because we do serve two very large towns um, across a pretty large land mass. That being said, while they're geographically large population wise, we are not large. We are a small school of about 550 students. Um, 65 or so faculty, so along with staff, we probably have about 100 adults supporting those students and their families. Um, and the, work, the word that folks use most often to describe our school is familial, which is very true. Families who send their young people to us and the teachers who work here are largely very deeply rooted here. Um, people come here and stay or we're here already and, and don't leave. We have a pretty impressive program, especially for a small school. We have about 26 courses um, for college credit, which is significant, of course, in this day and age when the price of a college education is just astronomically large. Um, and we do neat things all the time. So we're launching a new internship program. We had blended learning, thank God, the year before COVID happened. So we kind of already knew how to mix to some degree, um, you know, in-person and remote learning. Um, to, I say to some degree, we had just started, but at least we had a foundation on which to build. Um, and I would say we're personalized. We personalize the educational experience to the point that it's almost a little bit messy, right? It's controlled chaos, but um, in a very good and positive way, because my faculty is very dedicated to do whatever it takes to reach our kids. And, and that's what I'm most proud of. Like our, our faculty will do whatever they have to do to reach a kid, save a kid, interest a kid, bring a kid back. Um, and that's, I'm very proud of that. Well, you should be. And I wanna sit here for just a moment because this is a school that you're leading presently, but you've been in school leadership. Um, I believe you said this is your 25th year in education or 25th year as a principal, which one was well, that? My known? 25th year as an administrator. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to tell you I started when I was 10 so that people <laughs> can laugh and figure out anything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, yeah, and I taught before that, obviously. So it's my, I'm coming up on my 31st year in education, which sounds ridiculous. I don't know how that happens. Oh, I love it. So as a veteran education educator and a leader, you've, I'm just really curious, when you think back to those first years and then you compare them to the present. Um, I love to ask this question because I have so many leaders that reach out to me. I have a lot of veteran listeners, but I also have a lot of aspiring or young listeners too. And so often they want to know 
what lessons you've learned in leadership that may help them in their own careers. So if you're sitting across from a, a, a younger principal, for instance, what might be some things you would want them to keep in mind as they're stepping into this career? So I actually do that. Um, I serve as a mentor principal um, for several administrative interns uh, over the years. In fact, currently I have four, <laughs> uh, which is a lot. But um, so I actually, I have that same lens. So thank you for that question. Um, I would tell them a couple of things right off the bat, which is um, first of all, the importance of networking um, always, but especially as a young administrator, as a new administrator, um, or as an aspiring administrator. And I was very fortunate to have a mentor. Um, I, you mentioned that I went through the UConn program. It's called UCAP, University of Connecticut Administrator um, Preparation Program. And I, my mentor was Mike Buckley, um, a gentleman who, interestingly enough, lives in the community I now serve. He's retired, but he was the principal of Avon High School at the time. And after I finished my internship and got my first job, Basically, on my way out the door, he said to me, um, don't forget to join the Connecticut Association of Schools, which is my state's chapter of the NASSP. Um, join CAS. And so, you know, I'm, I pretty much wrote everything he ever said. <laughs> and I followed his advice and joined CAS. And that really has shaped um, and largely positively influenced my experience as an administrator um, and to a great degree has led to a level of success for me because it connected me with other administrators and we're all doing the same work. You know, this is a tough job. We hear it all the time that the, the principalship especially can be very isolating and, um, and there are gonna be rough patches, right? There, you know, we call that Tuesday in high school leadership. And when there are rough patches, you need to have a network of folks who you can call upon to not only support you, but also share ideas with, um, be thought partners with. It also, in the quieter times, gives you a perspective that you're not in this alone. And so when you do have to dig in and, you know, our natural human tendency and when we're challenged, I suppose, is to circle the wagons a bit and really focus on just our world. Um, so it helps to remember, no, it's not just us, and we're not the only ones struggling with this. Other folks are too, and maybe we've received some ideas or some suggestions from them. In better times, we've given suggestions and ideas, so you know we feed each other. But networking would be my number one, mm. um, my number one piece of advice. And the second thing I would tell them is, this work is a series of beginning again. Mm. You know, I, I don't have it all figured out at all, which people would, you know, I don't know, maybe folks will be surprised to hear that, but you don't ever get your whole, everything on your list crossed off. You never figure it all out. We're constantly in a state of learning and growing. And just when we think we have it all together, they move the target or some new challenge comes up that we couldn't possibly have foreseen like a pandemic that we all just led through. Um, and that's okay. It challenges those among us who are type A, <laughs> um, but that's okay. This work is a series of beginning again and beginning again and, you know, take heart. It's gonna what, be I love, what, what I love about that is that um, I was, I was listening to another podcast this morning that has nothing to do with school leadership and it was more conversations about politics and culture and stuff, but there was a, um, one of the co-hosts on there said something 
that just reminded me of what you just said. She was saying so many times the solutions that we're looking for are extraordinary or unique or innovative when in actuality, they're almost always the, the most meaningful ones are almost always built around the small things that we can do within a community to help each other out, to step in when in need, to ask somebody to give you input, to show up for somebody when there's a crisis. It's those small, incremental, meaningful human things that we do that make any setting meaningful. So you can apply that wherever you want, but I'm thinking about, you know, applying that in our school. So that's what I love about that feedback, Donna, this work is a series of beginnings again. And, and so if we ever think in the, the, the sentence that that person said on that podcast was, I don't think anything I'm saying would probably make a very good best-selling book. <laughs> and I thought, hooray for yeah. saying that because most of the time, the work, the, the meaningful things that leaders are doing on a day-to-day basis to help move their schools forward are probably not things that would make a, a best-selling book, um, but they're things that work. Support for Principal Matters comes from Aptigee. More than 3,500 school districts have switched to Aptigee since 2016 for one reason. Aptigee powers the identity of your school. We all know that communication is important, but what are you communicating? If it's just information, you're missing an opportunity to build a school brand around your strengths and values. What I love about Aptigee is how they think and talk about communication as a critical component of building your brand that engages your entire school community. With the Thrill Share platform, Aptigee brings everything you need for school marketing and communications together into a single mobile app. Write a story once and send it across your school website and mobile app, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, text messages, and voice calls. By making it easy to share stories about your strengths, you can control the conversation around your brand. Learn more about Aptigee at aptigee.com and tell them that Principal Matters sent you. Support for Principal Matters comes from DigiCoach and its walk-through tool. I want you to picture walking through classrooms, observing teachers and students. In just 10 minutes, you hope to see good instructional strategies and student learning taking place, or maybe you have some questions about something missing from instruction or planning. Instead of taking 30 minutes to write a follow-up email or leaving your teacher unsupported, wouldn't it be great to have an app on your phone or tablet where you could send immediate feedback while also collecting data? Enter DigiCoach, a customizable walkthrough and coaching tool created by school leaders for school leaders with thousands of pre-written, research-based commendations and coaching tips empowering you to provide quick, actionable feedback. DigiCoach is not an evaluation tool. Instead, it is an easy-to-use feedback and coaching tool, an efficient way to store your notes and to collect data for improving student outcomes right in your hands. It can be used on iPhone, Android, or tablets and includes speech-to-text functions. Make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers. Go to digicoach.com 
to learn more. And please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com. And so I, I want to, I just want to stay there for a little bit. And, and I want you to dig down into what are some of those things in your school experiences? And again, there could be small things, but what are the things that you've seen that have over time, they, they continue to work? In terms of leading students to learn, in terms of leading schools, all of that? It, whether it's student outcomes or mm -hmm. building staff or mm -hmm. the way that you cultivate relationships. I'm keeping that general because I'm just curious if, as you reflect on those things that you see that work, what would you, you just named two of them, networking, beginning that this, remembering this work is a series of beginning again, what else would you add to that? Right. So I think that as leaders, um, we need to be very committed to and skilled in listening deeply, listening to our kids. Firstly, kids are going to tell you what they need and what they're telling you they need with their mouth might not actually be what they need. <laughs> um, but learning to listen to, and sometimes it certainly is, often it certainly is, but learning to listen deeply to our kids, um, you know, what's behind either their struggle, their maybe sometimes their behavior, or what motivates them, what excites them, what gets them to come to school every day. Because some of our kids, many of our kids are very, um, enthusiastic and engaged in their school community and some very much are not. And so we serve this whole range of children and, um, you know, my best advice as a parent is listen, listen, I listen to my child. She's not a child anymore, but listen to what she's saying and listen to what she's not saying. And the same advice goes for everyone's children. If we listen to them, they're going to tell us what they need. The same thing is true of teachers whether we're hiring them and bringing them in, I listen deeply to what they say and, and their answers. And I ask them to ask me questions and I emphasize the two-way nature of what I think a good interview should be, where we're bringing in the people who really want to be part of this particular school community, whose personality and style match who we are and will enhance and grow us maybe. Um, and my veteran staff, the mom who calls you know, crying because her, her kid is struggling with anxiety, listen deeply to the people that we serve. And one of the things that happens when you listen as an administrator or as anyone, any human, but I'm speaking specifically in terms of my experience as an administrator is often then I speak last. And I think that's important because what I have found over the years is when I'm in the room, once I speak, once I talk, once I give my opinion, often, it's the one that everyone else in the room gravitates to, or yeah, what she said, or, or if they had a different idea, they don't want to say it now because I've already said what my idea is. And so I try to speak last. I try to listen first and listen deeply. Um, that pretty universally has served me well across the years. And the other thing I would say is that we have to have the, um, the courage to look at, um, my teachers would all roll their eyes if they heard me say this because they can they can parrot it. <laughs> um, we have to look with with courage and integrity at okay, what are our student outcomes? How are we doing? Mm -hmm. How are we doing on all different levels? Not just with standardized testing. How are we doing getting our kids to school? How are we doing with behavior? How how are our freshmen doing? How are our freshmen with special needs doing? How are our girls doing? How are our boys doing? How are the kids who are identifying differently doing? How 
how is everyone doing in our school community? How are our teachers holding up? What do our parents say about um, how pleased they are with BHK experience? Um, and then go after those things that we need to improve upon and celebrate the heck out of the things that we're clearly doing well with um, because we're all in a state of continuous improvement, continually growing. And like I said in a previous answer, I don't have it all figured out. I don't stick the landing on every point in any given year. I don't even stick the landing on every given point on Mondays. So just constantly picking up the, you know, the low hanging fruit, trying to raise the tide for all of us. Um, that's the work. That's what we do. Oh, I love that. Um, so let me take a step back for just a second and say a few reflections on those two areas, listening deeply and then courageously inspecting. Those are the two things that I heard you say there. Um, first of all, in listening deeply, I'm just reminded of a great book by um, Jeremy Kubitschek and, uh, and Cochran. I'm forgetting his first name right now. Um, they wrote a book called The Five Voices. Mm. And in that book, they identify, um, it's, a, it's a much simpler way to do personality uh, as assignments to, to people, but they identify that a lot of leaders, especially in um, organizations with lots of people, the person who's considered quote unquote at the top, they would call the a pioneer, somebody who's usually high energy, high focus, um, and focused on results. But they also identify that those people are usually the first ones to speak up in conversations and in meetings. And, and it, it is exactly, their, their research has showed exactly what you said, Donna, that when they introduce leaders to the different voices that are, of the people on their teams, they encourage leaders to speak last, especially when you're trying to run a meeting or you're trying to get feedback. And so I love that because, um, it, because that works, as you said, for, for students and for teachers and community members. Anything you want to add to that before I talk about courageous inspection? Uh, no, now I need to go get that book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you re you yeah. reminded me of that so much. Well, and then in that in in, in your courageous inspection, I, what I love about that is that you um, is is permission for leaders to recognize that we've never ever arrived. You know, this is always constant growth. And constant growth means constant looking for which children have we not reached yet, which parents may not have a voice yet, which teachers may need to grow more. Um, but then you said two things there. One is to target that improvement, but then also to celebrate the heck out of how they're doing it well. And so um, both of those areas, I don't know if you've ever looked at the national standards for principal leadership that NASSP's put out and NAESP and when you read that list of 10 different areas, it's almost exhausting. It almost, it just almost is paralyzing to look at like all the responsibilities that a leader in a school is expected to be like a superhero. Um, but those two areas that you just mentioned, listening deeply and courageously inspecting, almost like they almost summarize like the, the totality of, of that big list of, of items. I wanna ask you, to come back to the beginning of our conversation as, as we are, um, as, as I have you in the room, you've had the opportunity now as a national principal of the year to probably be in some settings that other principals um, may have not have experienced before. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that ex 
experience has been like for you representing principals? Um, sure. So I think I mentioned this in my comments that Ignite, um, one of my first experiences um, in this role was um, I was at a conference with all the other state principals of the year, and we were put through a series of um, three training sessions. And one of the training sessions, I think I told this story in Denver, um, was on advocacy. And so we each sat at, you know, we were at, I don't know, eight or 10 top tables. And so we were sitting with colleagues and the, the leader of the session asked us each to reflect on an issue or an item that we wanted to change, something that needed fixing, if you will, um, in our current educational experience. And so we were to do this privately and then share. And so I remember everyone at my table, we're all writing furiously and we all clearly have something that needs changing. And, um, and then I happened to be picked to share first at my table. And so what I said is, I need us to do something about social media. Um, I need us to figure out how to address um, the, the fact, unfortunately, in, in many of the 50 states, but not all, that folks can say whatever the heck they want on social media can really kind of come at educators and educational leaders with poison and vitriol and complete untruths and go absolutely unchecked under the law. Um, and I need us to do something about this. Um, and I'd had specific experiences that year that even impacted my faculty. Um, um, and so it really was coming to this, but this was my number one issue that day. And I remember the folks at my table all looked at me and they clearly all have their own issue written on their paper. And they each one put their pen down and they looked at me and they said, yes, this, let's talk about this. So right there, there was two things, right? Like, okay, I'm not the only one. And Connecticut's not the only state. My friends are dealing with the same thing. Um, so that was just very power. It was just a very powerful moment. It sounds simple, but it really didn't feel simple. It was like, oh my gosh, like you're struggling with this too. This is kind of where we are as a society. And the second thing that happened is of course, oh my gosh, now I have all these brilliant people I'm surrounded with. And then the conversation extended to the larger room. And now I've got all these people that maybe if we all talk about it together, we can start figuring out solutions. And um, so that was really a cool experience. Um, I'll expand that because I just got back about a week ago um, from South Korea, um, which is the farthest that I've traveled, thankfully, because that was a, a very long trip. Took me 27 hours to get there all together. Um, where um, my friend and colleague Raquel Martinez, NASSP president-elect, and I represented the United States in the Asian Pacific um, Economic Collaborative, which is was essentially, I'm going to use the word summit, they didn't call it that, but it was essentially a gathering of um, educational leaders from nine countries that surround the Pacific. They call it Asian Pacific. Um, on educational topics and issues and um, common goals and themes, et cetera. It was really a phenomenal experience. And so while I've just had this experience at the national level um, and collecting, you know, collaborating with colleagues and connecting with all these wonderful humans who are doing the work across the country, I then expanded that to connecting with all these really amazing humans who are serving children around the world and in some of our immediate informal conversations, you know, we met for, we ran into people trying to figure out how to order coffee in Korean. <laughs> 
the first morning. And I remember sitting with Australia and Taiwan, um, the leaders from those two countries, and talking about just our common experience. And we accidentally ended up speaking about, thankfully everyone spoke English, humbling. Um, we were talking about life post COVID and how our kids had changed and how our parents had changed and how our teachers were tired. And um, so in terms of experiences I've had as a as national principal of the year, that's another profound one. It's like, okay, I just had this experience in my own country and now I'm, it's around the world. And huh. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. You know, one of the um, honors and privileges of doing this podcast is I hear from listeners overseas, not just here in the U.S. And, um, and so most of my listeners are in the U.S. and Canada, but um, just this morning, I was corresponding with a listener from Australia who had heard us do a reflection session on one of my previous podcasts. So we're setting up a, a Zoom so we can just reflect together on leadership. And you, you and I were talking off the air about just how important reflection together is about things. But what I love about that, Donna, is in that experience, oh, there's just so much, this is so rich, you know, you're sitting in a room full of leaders from across the U.S. who almost immediately find in common the, the challenges that we are all managing within our unique schools, even though every one of our schools is so different and so um, unique to our own communities, they're so the same when it comes to the human experience. And then you have that same experience in, uh, in South Korea with leaders from all of the regions of the Asia Pacific area too recognizing that, man, we share so much in common when it comes to um, how we're dealing with families and students, even though there's differences. And so um, what, th th I don't know why that's so encouraging, but it is um, for me to, to, to recognize. And, th and that was kind of the epiphany for me in my experience within ASSP for the, the first time I was in a room full of principals from across the US was like, just like this light bulb went off. And I was like, and so I'm just gonna speak to principal matters listeners for just a second, but I know this light bulb went up for you too, because I saw you represent the principles of, of across the US, Donna. But for me, the light bulb experience was, this is a room full of unsung heroes. People who every single day show up unrecognized, not uncelebrated, and they're managing some of the most difficult crisis situations in the lives of kids and families that they'll ever go through. And sometimes they are literally rescuing children. And I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating. You're not. I'm, exactly. I'm, whether it's emotionally or physically or from crisis or trauma, and no one even knows when they go home at night what they did that day. It's like they're wearing the superhero cape that's tucked under their jacket or their, or their blouse, and nobody knows that they're a superhero. And, and I'm not saying that to hold up school leaders as something better than other professions, but it just is so important to me to recognize the reality of the hard work, but also the extraordinary work that we're doing. And you've seen that across the US, but now you're seeing it across the world. So what a privilege. Um, and, and, and so as, as we're wrapping up this conversation, I just want to give you an opportunity to, to leave listeners with um, any parting words that you have of advice or wisdom as you step into a new school year and how can people stay connected with you and your work? Sure. So um, you just said a lot in, in your, the comments that you just made. So I will 
let me just build on that a, a little bit. You're right. I, I truly believe, and I tell my teachers every year, I honestly believe that we are engaged in the noblest profession. You know, we all leave our own children at home every day to go help raise other people's children. And talking to educational leaders across the country and, and educational leaders truly from the nine surrounding countries, we have to be all in, all in as educators. And it is such a humbling and humbling experience to represent folks, but also um, an inspiring experience to connect with all of these these people all doing the same work. And you said something um, just a couple of minutes ago about how it's encouraging that we're all handling the same things, right? We wish that some of these things weren't true, right? We wish that we weren't facing some of the challenges that we are, but it is encouraging that we're not facing them alone. And I've been starting to have kind of a light bulb go off um, when I've, I think it, you know, came from looking at the size of the audiences that I'm speaking to and every single one of those humans is an educator and most of them are educational leaders and thinking across the country, educators and around the world have to be one of the most popular professions, right? Every small fishing village, every large metropolis has a school system, has a way of teaching their children. And so as educators, we have to outnumber many professions and so I actually think part of where we're going to have to head in this next phase of where we're going with education is being more conscious of that and joining those voices together and having a collective um, advocacy approach for, we need to tell the world what our kids need. And we need to insist on to whoever the political leaders are, and this is not at all a political message. I don't care if you're red, blue, what column you're in, I do not care. I care about political leaders and influencers and people in power um, who are going to give our kids what they need. There's nothing more important than that. All of our futures depend on that. The, you know, the prosperity of our countries depend on that. Um, and so that's really um, a piece that I'm trying to tap into and figure out how do we how do we actually mobilize? Um, so that, that's another whole conversation. Um, don't get me started. But, um, but in the meantime, um, folks can follow me on Twitter. I, you know, I'm not a um, daily poster by any stretch of the imagination, but I do try to keep folks updated on what I'm doing um, and people that I'm meeting and just kind of need ideas that I'm gaining from others. So um, my Twitter handle is Donna Hayward underscore. Um, and my website, which, um, which will launch probably before this episode airs, is DonnaHayward.com. So I try to share out what I'm doing and my experiences and um, hold up my colleagues in both of those places. So those are two places to start. Oh, well, Donna Hayward, what a privilege. Um, I'm going to repeat back to you what you just said. We have to be all in. And we have to be conscious of our collective power for giving students what they need. Exactly. Principal Matters listeners, I, I, I want to encourage you, if you have the opportunity to attend your own state principals association conferences or NASSP's events, you're going to run into Donna Hayward. And, or maybe you need to invite her to your state principals conference because of the message 
um, in the in the in the impact that she's making. So, Donna, thank you so much for the opportunity to introduce you to um, to reintroduce you to many of my audience, but also to introduce you to those who may be meeting you for the first time. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership Academies, Mastermind offerings, and Executive Coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today, and thanks again for doing what matters.